Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of Secrets in the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Dau and Cycling Coach. So before we get started, I have some quick announcements. I have two, actually, and they are related to winter or cycling training skills. Now, August is about the time where a lot of us start thinking about, ooh, what am I going to do to you know, improve what I'm already doing now? So you think about how am I doing on the road? What kind of skills would I love to improve and how am I going to get those skills? And that's where I have something so amazing for you. It doesn't matter where you're sitting because we're in like 35 different countries. Amazing. So this can impact all of you if it interests you or piques your interest. So the first thing is I have a cycling skills online four week workshop for women. And this is where we're going to, it's only for September and October. Each week we focus on a different skill. So first we really work on what is a smooth pedal stroke and how to get more efficient. I'm going to share with you the skills and tips and my secrets about that. And then we're going to move on to hills and then speed. And then we finish it up with nutrition. We get and we also talk about our weight training program, which is so important for strength training to become better. With this one, it's super fun because every week we do the workshop and then I give you homework and then we have a Q&A. So you basically have me as a coach for the whole month. And that is cyclingskillspro.com. Go, you can register now, secure your spot September or October. Then the next one is a much longer, more training, more uh, geared towards um, working towards goals and really drilling in the skills that A, we go through in the four-week program, pedal stroke, then we get into the drills, and it's periodized. I also help you with organizing yourself to be scheduled in your training so that you don't overdo it and you become very intentional. I just love this because a lot of people just get on the online programs and they just go for broke all the time. You have to plan it. It's an 80-20 rule, 80% um, endurance, 20% intensity. And if you're not getting that, you're just going to basically overtrain yourself and overdo it. So the 16-week program is dedicated to that and so much more. So this starts in November to March. So it's truly through the winter weight training, online program, uh, maybe some racing, group riding, all of that is going to be part. You just join us and we'll take care of your winter training. Now go to 16weekroadcycling.ca and secure your spot. Registration is not open right now, but those who are on the VIP will get a chance to secure a spot at an early bird price. So don't wait. Get on the list. All right. Take care and have an amazing day. And don't forget to ride your bike. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode.
Thank you again, everyone, for coming out for another amazing episode of Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew. And we have this amazing young lady, Devani. Devani, right? Yeah. I'm always like, I have to correct myself. I'm like, did I say right? Collier. And she uh, used to be on the pro circuit. She's living in Edmonton right now, and she's also working with the next gen program in Milton with Jenny True. So it's super exciting to bring her here. Um, I can't wait. She's got a really amazing and uh, good story about mental health, or maybe it's not, but we're going to see. She's going to be sharing with us her experience as a pro cyclist and where it took her and what she's doing now with future cyclists. Welcome, Devani. Thank you for to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about everything. <laughs> know, let's talk about everything. All yeah. right. So I always love to just ask the question, like, how did you get into cycling? How did uh, how did yeah. how did it happen for you? I feel like a lot with a with a lot of people, at least in Canada, it's not like a super exciting story. <laughs> I I <laughs> I used to do soccer. For, I think I did it for like seven years or something until I was 15 and um, it just like wasn't really going the way I wanted it to because I I liked being an athlete I liked doing sports and I was like I want to take this to the next level and and soccer wasn't really working out so <laughs> I so I was like okay I'm gonna stop soccer but I didn't have a plan of what other sport I was gonna do so I kind of like sat on it for a little while because I always had sport in my life I felt like I needed something and my dad suggested cycling and honestly his reasoning was that he liked cycling and he's like you have really strong legs you should do it <laughs> so I was like well you know that's good enough as anything else for me like <laughs> let me look into it um and I found uh the Juventus cycling club in Edmonton oh, and I uh, signed up for their LAMP program, which is like their development program. I was like the oldest you could be to be in the program. So I was just like with like 12 year olds and I was like, it's awkward. But and it like snowballed from there. Is that where they just discovered you? You're like, because there's quite a few uh, soccer players who have gone to the track. Yeah. yeah I don't know I don't I'm, I wonder if that's just because there is like a lot of people who play soccer or like if it's just I don't know they they've played by Juventus clubhouse or something and they've seen it I don't know something like that I but, think it's the leg strength myself yeah I, I mean <laughs> that may be it you do have pretty people in soccer do get pretty long strong legs yeah I never thought I never thought but like the more I talk to girls as mostly girls that go from soccer to like track yeah that you know that's where they were and um and the power from I guess running and, and kicking and like everything just sort of transfers over to, over to being super strong engine right for yeah. so in Edmonton were you at the track is that where you started the mm -hmm. club yeah so like Juventus clubhouse is like attached to their like cement velodrome oh okay um, so like in the program, you do like a few weeks on the road and then you do mountain bike and then you do track. So when we like got to the track time, 
I was just like, hey, I'm really good at this. And it's like weird, like the velodromes are weird. Like this is fun and just like <laughs> new. So I was just kind of like hooked on that one because I was like really good at it right away. Ah, uh, see, yeah. really good at it, right? They're like, mm, yeah. you over here, you're, you're yeah. no longer gonna be with the 12 year olds. Yeah, <laughs> you're graduating. <laughs> We're gonna like streamline you straight to the national team. Here you go. Okay, well, not quite like that, but <laughs> things did move pretty quick. Okay, well, let's hear about that. So you were, what, you were, no, you were 16 at that time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you got on the track and then, yeah, so how did it move along? And then how did you find yourself in Ottawa? Or were you in Ottawa when you're discovered by Jenny or was she there? Yeah, well. Where is that um, woman? She's all over the place. I feel like I'd like known about Jenny for like a long time before I actually started working with her. But um, yeah, yeah. so I was just like um, riding, started taking it seriously really quickly, like joined like the junior program they had at Juventus. And um, when I was 18, I did well enough at the junior track nationals and the junior road nationals to go to worlds for both of those that year. Um, so, and that's kind of how it started because my uh, coach or the next gen coach at the time um, just like decided that my performances were like good enough at junior worlds that he would add me to the next gen team when I was done with my junior career. Oh, okay. Yeah. So did your junior career, did that like, that was in Edmonton? Um, that's where I trained, but like um, our races we had, ooh, where were they? Like the track nationals were in Milton and then- Right, okay. So you were around for Milton because Milton, was built five years ago? Yeah, the first time I raced on Milton, it was before they had their first major like World Cups there. Right. So it was like when it was like the dust was still settling. <laughs> Pan Ams had just finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So is that was that your intro or your start into road racing or track like yeah, I kind of always did both like road. I really didn't expect to go to road worlds that year as a junior, mm -hmm. but it was in Doha that year, which is like just flat, like it's desert. So, so they're like, let's just send the track team to, to, <laughs> to the road because like they, they can ride flat stuff. Like, Oh, I so, suppose yeah. like you're going to want to race, race. Mm -hmm. it's like flat and hot and windy. Yeah, totally. So I met Jenny like a, about a year when I was 19 um, because I didn't have a road team my first year out of junior. I just didn't like look into it in time and no one like selected me because I wasn't really that good. <laughs> so, uh. so like, um, yeah, I met her like a year after, like probably at, like BC Super Week. I was like racing alone and, and but she would be like, standing on the hill and be like come on Devony, go faster <laughs> go I can see her like come on yeah okay. I'm like I'm trying my best <laughs> yeah so that's kind of how I, I started road and track it's like I've always done both um road is, has always kind of been like secondary just because I'm not 
I don't compete at it in the same level. I'm just not good enough to do. Oh come do on, so you say you're... that level, but yeah. <laughs> so then, how did you start working with Jenny? And has then, and mm. like we were talking about, you know, your whole history. Yeah. In the road, mm-hmm. as like in your road cycling career. So let's talk about that because obviously you transitioned from track to road. No, no, I do the I I do track mainly. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't. Yeah. So then you go to Europe? Is that like? Were you on an uh, international team? For what? For track? No. For road. No, I'm 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 with the the national team for track. Oh, oh, I see. I yeah, see. Just like okay. the next gen national team. Yeah. Okay. So let's um. Let's talk like you're talking about before we started about the mental health game. And yeah. And so let's just take you back to when you were in the team, because I've when we were talking about that, I can totally relate. I've had kind of not so. mm, I don't know what the word is for it, but such great experiences with um within like a couple of different teams I was on. It wasn't for cycling or anything. It was ultimate Frisbee, but at a high level. And uh, yeah, so let's talk about your experience. Like just take us through your career. Yeah. So when juniors was over, um, I got selected to the next gen team on the track, which at the time was run by Cam Jennings. He um, was like an Australian coach that they'd hired. And he's, I actually knew him from Edmonton. So he already knew me when he um, added me to the team. And he was a really good coach. He like really definitely took a chance on me and like a lot of other athletes he, he gave opportunities to that like, I don't think would really be given to athletes these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really great. But the, the team at the time um, didn't have the best chemistry. And I think a lot of that was informed by just like not, by, by people feeling a bit stifled, I think. The, the next-gen team at that time, it was like super early in the, in the next-gen program. And there we didn't do any races. We only trained. We had like weird schedules that made us like away from home all the time but didn't really build to anything um and yeah and then just like kind of like um our our program didn't have much money like you know it was just always like we were kind of an afterthought um and not that people you know there was definitely people who were her working hard for us and, and that sort of thing but I think that those are kind of what informed the like um, attitude in the team. And it was just, it wasn't supportive. It wasn't like inspiring. It, it wasn't like at the whole point of a next gen team is to like help lift people up to the next level and help develop athletes, but also like people because everyone in the team's pretty young uh, or just like, at least young in their careers in cycling. Mm. So um, yeah, it wasn't the greatest. And and that was hard because I didn't, I thought, oh, this is just how it is. Like, this is just what it's like to be an athlete and to be 
a cyclist is like you just get pooed on all the time and <laughs> you never get any chances to do anything <laughs> like wow. it's never good nothing's ever good enough um oh so that was kind of a rocky start but um cam decided to move back to australia and so there was this whole summer where nobody on the next gen team actually had a coach <laughs> and wow so it, it, that was interesting that was actually a really fun summer <laughs> i learned a lot i had to do everything by myself um i had to be like okay it says on my schedule because he made like a skeletal schedule before he left like I'm supposed to go to this race and then I'd like email Cycling Canada and I'd be like um Cam said that I'm supposed to do this race can you guys like help me figure out how to get there <laughs> and like right and, like host housing by myself and I didn't have a road team either so like super week that year nationals that year um like how do you get the there like you have yeah was it help you at all like, or did you sorry? have to pay for everything no, I didn't have to pay for too much of it because they were like, they're like, okay, yeah, we, we don't know what to do with you. And, and I think we, they weren't paying a coach at the time. So they had like a bit of money to like, <laughs> to like pay for race fees or something. So that was really nice. That part anyways, but it was definitely like a time of growing independence, but it was very like, guys, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Nobody's here to tell me what to do. Like mm -hmm. I'm just kind of floating around, whatever. Right. Um, so then Jenny uh, is hired as the coach and it's great. We're all excited to work with her, but she has some like big changes in mind. And it's a little <laughs> bit scary because I'm used to like an environment being like the training environment being a certain way. Mm -hmm. And she like came in and she's like, okay, everybody has to like be positive and like say... <laughs> say one good thing that happened in that like team pursuit trial or whatever and I'd be like well it was horrible it went terrible and she'd be like <laughs> and like it took me a while to like figure out that like being competitive and being like caring a lot about what you're doing and like uh, trying to reach the highest level you can doesn't have to be exclusive of being positive and being like uplifting of your teammates and having fun like they they actually work better if you do them together um so well, this is actually a, a super positive experience like you go from yeah that was like good. geared up here that was good but it kind of started to go downhill from then and that's kind of when the um mental spiral really started and i've like done enough like digging into it now to like see that there was like a lot happening that I didn't really like know about at the time like mm -hmm. well, like mentally and physically within myself that kind of also contributed to kind of right. like like rock bottom if you will right. but so essentially in um 2018 I had a really really good season and it was after like a few years of pretty hard training I was like hitting all these really great numbers um everything was going really well and was that with Jenny that, yeah that was with Jenny okay um and because of that um I got asked to do more and more races for mm. the national team so 
they started sending me all over the world like by myself without a like a teammates or anything and just like a coach um to do all these wow. races because they needed points for right. for the for the elite team and they're like well Devney can do it she you know it's like an opportunity um but it really started to wear me down like <laughs> the travel and the expectation and um being away from home for so long and there was a lot of like personal things happening too like I'd been so completely um entrenched in cycling for years at this point that like I felt like I hadn't even started going to school I never had a job I like I didn't have any friends outside of cycling right I like like everything I didn't like I it didn't have anything else to base my like worth on right and or just like fill anything else of my time with so as I got more and more tired and and the expectations were rising it started creating like a very negative effect right I just wanted to um I wanted to continue on from there but I was I just wanted to ask you I don't even know if yeah. this is probably like a break in the conversation but they were sending you to all these races to accumulate points yeah can you explain that because oh, okay. I'm I don't understand that I would just like to understand the point system a little bit more right and because you're yeah. out there by yourself to race mm -hmm. and they're expecting you to race at a higher level like finish at the top mm -hmm. so that they can get points for their elite team that you were not part of yes right? yep exactly okay talk so, about that yeah the the, the point system yeah I could see how I'm like what the yeah. hell okay yeah it's definitely it's changed a little bit um but yeah you just need certain thresholds of points to do certain races and kind of like the higher caliber race the more points you need but also like position mm -hmm. in in like ranking so right. um just some of the elite athletes were didn't want to do these like races that were in like China and Japan and stuff because that's a lot of travel that's like it was in the middle of the uh, road calendar so they like would send me and sometimes a few other people but to to do those um to collect points for the nation to to have a higher ranking right and then what does that higher ranking give say Canada I guess it would be it just gives you like starting positions. So this was in oh. 2015. So I think it was also part of the Olympic point collection. But like to be so like race the Omnium at Worlds, I think you need to be uh, top 16 nations in that event. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So and and the points are collected. They used to be collected like by the top three riders. So just mm. like the, the the like points accumulated by the top three riders from that nation would be your nation ranking okay yeah oh i see top three in your race uh well well no or like um top like so the, the so the top three canadians who had the most points in the omnium their mm -hmm. their collective number of points would be like their nation ranking in the omnium oh, okay right it's 
they I think they simplified it because they changed how it works recently but it's kind of stupid yeah <laughs> wow because so, I've heard I've heard the discussion around points before um I was just like I understand like um like carded point like carded points or like points to move you up in cat like categories and things right. like that but that's yeah, a way higher level different than the than the track yeah yeah okay so let's go back to your experience like you're out there and you're you've been away from your family and you're yeah. just kind of like you know what this isn't for me well no just take it go back I didn't want to stop you there but I had yeah. to ask about that yeah totally yeah I know it's a bit confusing um yeah. yeah so I was doing all those races kind of like mentally spiraling <laughs> but uh, uh, like during this whole time like all those things happening in my personal life all those things happening in my like cycling career there was also like this very bizarre and extremely tragic like string of events that started actually back a couple years or a year earlier when um Ellen Waters died she was Is she the one in BC and out east yeah okay were you so on the team when she was I wasn't I actually I had met her the week before she died because we were at a camp together and so yeah. that kind of was what started it just because it was it was so tragic and it was so sudden and like even though I hadn't known her that long like she anyone who who's known her she was like a very special person she just was like a, a ray of light and just like just like not the kind of person you meet very often very right. just loving and and cool and authentic so that was very jarring and that was kind of like the first I also my first run-in with like death so personally but also mm -hmm. with it in cycling and I and I mm -hmm. would only learn from then how common it was to be <laughs> killed during doing training like so many people get hit by a car so many people crash and have like horrific injuries like it happens mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. and nobody really talks about it so that was the first thing and a few like a um, seven or eight months later um jenny's one of jenny's kids camden um ha, we they found out that he had a brain tumor and he had to get it removed and it was like very sudden it was like very intense sort of thing and it was the day before we left we were supposed to go with Jenny to like the next gen team's first world cup so it was like just like the most and I'd actually crashed just a few days earlier so I was like in a bad way and Whoa. so that was like a very like heavy sort of experience and then like it just get and then and then and then right and then um like, like the net i'm getting a little confused on the timeline but like within short order um, yeah one of our sprinters at the time kate she crashed while she was training in calgary and she had a really horrific head injury that mm -hmm. um has now she she now um is okay but she races in the para category now because it's just not quite safe enough i believe to right. 
um, race in the in the elite category anymore. Yeah. And, and, and that's like another horrific thing, like just a random thing that happened to yeah. like just another really good person that I knew, another person I was like pretty close to. Um, and, and then, and then like, uh, this was the final event that really kind of like pushed me over the edge. Cause I was like, this can't just keep happening. Um, this was in the, like the fall before the winter that I really kind of just like broke. Um, we were in Mexico, we were racing Pan Ams and a teammate of mine who had actually known from Edmonton, I'd known him for years. He was an amazing aspiring sprinter, um, Stefan Ritter. He crashed while he was racing in the Kirin at um, Pan Ams and he had a really horrible brain injury too. And um, since then he doesn't race anymore. So <laughs> all of that was happening like at the same time as like, you know, just like normal growing up stuff, being kind of stifled personally. And then like my cycling career getting more and more intense, um, but also like expectations rising. And, and that all sort of culminated um, that year, 2018 winter. So the very end of 2018, the beginning of 2019, we had a camp in Portugal. It was a training camp on the road but we also were doing some track racing. Well, some of us, me, I was doing some track racing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing both. Locally as well. And um, it was a combined camp. So it was like the next gen team and the elite women were there and the sprinters were there and the elite men were there. So like just everyone was there at once. And um, it was just it was just a lot of expectations so the so the elite women's coach was there too and he was kind of the one who was like um coaching me on the race days and um he's no longer with the team <laughs> thankfully um but he was <laughs> not the greatest guy and he definitely doesn't know how to coach women and he definitely doesn't know how to coach young riders to whoa like in a in a healthy way at all um, so, but I wanted to be on that team. I wanted to go to the Tokyo Olympics and with how everything was trending that year, I was on the right path. Like a lot of my power numbers and stuff were like mm -hmm. on par with all the girls on the team. So I was like, okay, I want to go to Tokyo. Like, I think this could happen for me. Um, but he was kind of being a bit resistant to me, to letting me be on the elite team, the coach. So I like asked him, I was like, so like, what do you need from me to get on the team? Because like, I know I have the numbers, like I've seen them. Um, and one of the things he said was, well, I just don't think you're very resilient. Like, I don't think you're consistent enough and I don't think you're very res resilient. And in my head, I'm like, this man doesn't know shit. Because like, I... <laughs> Like the, the stuff that I'd been dealing with up to that point, I'm like, I am the most resilient person <laughs> really? just to be here right now. Cause mm -hmm. I know a lot of other people went through all those same tragic events, but mm -hmm. I also know that some of them just stuff it down way deep inside. And I'm not one of those people. I 
go through things as they happen and I have to process them um, because like shoving them down, they're just going to explode out later. Like it doesn't right. So mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I'm very resilient, but he's not, he wasn't, he's not the kind of person that you can be like, well, all these things happened to me and it was been really hard. Like he does not care. So mm. uh, the rest of my next gen team went home and I stayed because I was supposed to go to another race in Switzerland afterwards. Wow. And I was out on a recovery ride and I slipped on the road and I crashed and it was a pretty bad crash. I didn't break anything, but I got like insane whiplash and like bark was under all my skin on my hands and my legs and my abdomen and um so it was pretty bad and I was already kind of falling apart because during that camp with the culmination of everything that happened and I told him a couple days later uh I'm not gonna go to Switzerland I need to go home like I'm done. Like, oh, this is the, the fork in the road you're talking about? This was the okay. fork in the road. And I before I said that to him, I called Jenny because she left with the next gen team. And I was like, I think I need to go home. Like, like I don't think I can do this. And she was like, okay, but just know that if you don't do this, like That's it's gonna it. have some repercussions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't really realize what that would be at the time but I was like I have to go home so basically that coach he decided that me going home at that time was me not being resilient and he decided that it didn't matter what I did it didn't matter what I said it didn't matter how good I got that was it for me I wasn't resilient I wasn't the kind of person he wanted on his team um and and that was just that for him and so, but later he, st- he still invited me to come to the world's camp. And I was, I didn't know this yet that he'd made this decision and I had a meeting with him and I sat down and I said, he said, what are your goals for this camp? And I said, well, I want to go to worlds. I think I could do it. And he said, I'll tell you right down now, Demi, there is nothing you could do that would make me send you to worlds. But he was going to ask you to go. No, he wanted me to, he said I could come to the camp. He thought it was like this huge favor to me to let me come oh. to this little camp. And, and then he sat me down. He's like, there's nothing you can do to let me, that would get you on that team. And but you can go to the camp, but yeah. you're not going to be on the team. Yeah. Uh, but I was what? just at the camp. I wasn't even, he's like, this is an amazing learning opportunity for you. No, it wasn't. I was just doing readings <laughs> and stuff. Like I wasn't learning anything. You were doing what? <laughs> lead-ins it's just like oh yeah instead yeah, yeah. Of like participating in the effort I was just like helping them s- set up the effort basically uh in training and and he thought this was this uh, is bs odd like, gift to me was this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was kind of after that um I went home from that camp oh actually I went home from that camp early too because um I I wasn't actually sick, but I started seeming like I was sick because, because I um, was so worn down from the yeah. year of training and, and racing and stuff. I was like, oh, my throat kind of hurts. And then the other riders were like, oh my God, she's sick. She's going to get us all sick. We need to quarantine her. And they sent me <laughs> to his own house. 
and then <gasps> like by myself and and like just I don't wow. need to say like no everything that way. happened but like a few other things happened and I was just like all right I'm going home and I went home and I think I took like two months off and I was like really like I don't know if I want to ride anymore like I just got like there, my chance at the Olympics is gone I did all this work I, I did everything they asked and they shut the door in my face like no nobody cares about me like all that kind of stuff just kind of like and, and then just like the year of trauma as well from all the horrible things that had happened to my teammates and it all just kind of came down and I was in a really low low place um for for like a year um but that's kind of when I decided that it was time to like make a change in like I was like okay either cycling is over for me and I move on in my life or things really need to change like I need to find new meaning in this and um like find a, a way that I can move forward healthily because I know that I knew that the organization wasn't going to change I knew that the people weren't going to change I knew that like I would have to eventually I realized that I would have to change something in me if I wanted to keep continuing and it would be to kind of like find like not let results or times or power numbers be the basis of success or like or like goals be what I was like chasing because those can be taken away so easily and I, I don't think a lot of younger athletes especially really like realize that they're very like goal oriented um instead of like process oriented or like um actually you said you had an interview with Annie before yeah so Annie said to me once she said some people are motivated by goals and some people are motivated by morals and that really like struck me and I was like oh that that really like explains it because I was having a hard time getting along with some people because they were just like I don't care what it takes all I want is a gold medal and I'm just like like what like you would just <laughs> like I just yeah so yeah really, like helped mm -hmm. me realize what I wanted out of the sport and like the way that I needed to proceed going forward mm -hmm. um was to be motivated not by the number of wins or this like the hardware but yeah uh, um like the journey and, and the impact you can have on people along the way because that's right. really the only thing that's going to last like if we're being honest here nobody knows what track cycling is nobody <laughs> cares nobody cares <laughs> yeah maybe okay if you win the olympics yeah they'll definitely write your name down somewhere 2020 this person won this medal in the olympics book shut thrown away no one's ever going to see it again no one cares like it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't what matters is like the experiences you can gain and those lessons you can teach people right. and the joy that you can find in 
pushing yourself to your limits and expanding your horizons and enjoying nature and traveling the world and like hopefully helping especially for me I want to help people younger athletes like have a very like positive and healthy mental state as they go through their career I like I want Mm -hmm. them to know that it's always more important to prioritize your health and safety than it is to have results um, no matter what your NSO is saying to you (laughs) so you know what I not to mention that and your parents a lot of pressure there from yeah, kids. I think a lot of people do have that from their parents. I was very lucky to not have that. So I think that's part of the reason why I was able to like develop this like ulterior motivation. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people do really su- struggle with, I know their, their parents putting that pressure on them. But it does sound like you were, it almost sounds like you're taken away from your family and thrust into this environment. And you're just like, I'm not even sure what I'm doing here or what I need to do because like you said you're like way back at the beginning you're just kind of floating around and and doing your workouts and there wasn't any real um structure in Mm -hmm. place because you said it was so new you're just the lucky one that yeah the first ones through right now they have uh well, they've got Jenny there, which is a huge proponent of, you know, like a a massive leader. Um, And then have you been able to, you know, come to terms with that other coach, like that, you know, gave you that, that feedback because, and just knowing that it's, you know, it's, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll say fortunately he was let go a little while (laughs) after that. I think it was technically because the team didn't get the results they were after for that like event that they had coming up. Honestly, they didn't, they didn't like put out a, maybe they did put out a PSA. I don't know about like, um, why he was let go, but, um, but, but, um, being nasty to athletes wasn't one of the things um were you able to give some feedback into you know like once you heard he like even before were you able to like not write him up but talk uh, to somebody about his uh, attitude it's kind of hard because it's hard to like be like hey this person's a problem um to like because you'd have to like go over their head and like they'd find out about it and if they're still a coach well well you've just like written yourself an absolute Mm -hmm. like now you're definitely not gonna progress yeah um so we I think we did have like an opportunity to give feedback like we I think we do like a staff review at the end of the year like an anonymous one but it's kind of more just like answer these questions it's not yeah. really like write us an essay on your experience yeah. do you have any other comments oh yeah 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 <laughs> no, um yeah Where should i start i think they realized that he wasn't helping the team grow anymore mm-hmm. and um so that they hired a new coach and since then our, our elite team has has 
grown exponentially. So I definitely think it was that factor and not the athletes who were limiting. Yeah. So are you, so you're now working with the next gen program is that in Edmonton in conjunction like with Jenny or how is that working now no I still um or the next gen program is kind of like on a pause right now just with like COVID but I actually live in Victoria right now I moved here for oh, training nice. um just because Edmonton's not really great for like winter training yeah so yeah <laughs> I moved to Victoria and we regularly have camps um in Milton normally and um, we do, we actually have a lot more racing that we get to do now. So like normally we'll get one or two World Cups a year. I think they're called Nations Cups now and um, some other international smaller races too. Right. So do they call on you to, to come out and, and take the girls to events or what's no, your I'm, role? I'm still in- on the team. I still oh, race. You're still- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not that old yet. No. Yeah. Well, I I wasn't sure if it was like the complete separation, and now you're like. No, it was kind of like a and... thing away in in 2019. I I just I don't know if I ever. I think I did say no to a few things to like at that time, like racing and stuff, but it was just kind of like a mental reset, and I took a long time off of racing to just train and like find kind of like build myself up to a point again where I could like handle going back to camps and going back to racing with the national team again um I definitely feel like it's different now though but not quite different enough that I'm not racing (laughs) oh that's good so okay so you're on the next gen team you're not coaching the next gen team okay oh well that's super exciting so then all right well you had a year off from covid so you're just on got to ride your bike a whole lot and mm-hmm. and bring yeah, back actually, that joy this year has been really exciting because it's the first year since 2018 that i've actually really started breaking all my person my old personal bests in training right. again and i think it, it took that really long chunk of time of like not traveling not going to camps not racing to actually achieve that which is kind of funny because like normally like you know this oh this isn't a normal thing to be doing but I think a lot of athletes actually have found that this time has been really has really like bumped them up they're like oh wait staying in one place like getting a routine like Mm -hmm. finding my own motivations like not having people breathing down my neck about results has been like really great for actually getting better I think I think a lot of girls are feeling like that I know like I've I've talked to some who are just like in complete identity crisis because you know it's just like it's not that they lost everything it was just completely like shut down it's like yeah Oh, who am I? Like, yeah. I don't have, I have to spend I'm all the time this, with myself now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not this big racer and, you know, I'm not, you know, training for the Olympics. And so yeah. who am I now? Like, yeah. you know, and uh, some just embraced it, mm-hmm. um, went back to the drawing board, you know, like, how can I take this opportunity to actually get better? Because yeah. like, I've just been thrown into this. <laughs> yeah it's just like I don't know yeah spending like a year trying to figure it out 
<laughs> now I've got some free time. I think a lot of the, if I think if you look at athletes who in any sport that have like been doing it at the Olympic level for like 10 years or more, yeah. like I don't think very many, if any of them base their identity or their like entirety in their sport. Like they're yeah. all, they all have like other things that they do, yeah. like other ways that they like create like meaning and purpose and like motivation in their life and I and I think that that isn't really communicated down the beanpole very well that like it's important I think it would really benefit people to like develop that earlier on so like when something does happen like what happened to me or or the Olympics getting moved or like you're not getting selected to a race or something that that isn't like so heavy like you you're like okay that sucks I'll take my feedback I'll I'll learn from it I'll grow I'll I'll do better next time or whatever but like that's okay like because like my value isn't based in a in in an Olympic medal (laughs) you know it's based on like who you are and what you're doing to I don't know hopefully make the world a better place or something like that yeah no, I do completely agree. And I think it's it's super important because I did come across one girl. And I was like, so what are you going to do? Like, I was talking to you before, yeah. you know, like, what's that plan? And she's just like, I'm not sure. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only- while you're training, maybe. No, I don't think about while you're training. But, yeah. uh, you know, start, start they all get, you know, like, because like the Olympics is over. And then it's always like, you know, we got worlds. And then, oh my God, you know, maybe another Olympic run. Like mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. you know, where do you fit in like real life? Yeah. In I there? think people never like think about, um, or, pe- or I don't hobbies. think want to think about, yeah. Like what happened <laughs> if like the Olympics doesn't work out for them? And, yeah. and I don't think what like athletes or even to the general public like have seen is that like the Olympics is four years of building yeah. There is one little thing could happen in any of that four years that will just completely change your ability to just get to the start line. It could be an injury. It could be like a family thing. Like it could be anything at any time Mm -hmm. in those four years doesn't get you to the start line. And I think a lot of times, and it doesn't always mean because you weren't the best. Mm -hmm. I think people watch the Olympics and they're like, these people are the best in the world some of them not all of them it's not always the best people that get to go it's the people who made it to the end without yeah. anything happening who like yeah, had right. enough money who had enough support who yeah. timed everything perfectly who didn't get an injury like those are the people who get to go not mm-hmm. necessarily the best people and yeah. i think that's important to remember on like an Olympic journey that you could be the best and still not go yeah that's really a good point like who survived the whole thing yeah who survived the whole process yeah because I know like after this Olympics there's just three years so people might say oh it's only three years yeah actually it feels like so quick like someone said that the other day I was like what it's three years like oh no (laughs) already it's just when you're short yeah (laughs) oh well so so then all right so let's finish this up your 
All right. So you're in the, in the, do you have like, or do you have a race schedule this year? Or are you just like, I do. I, I just, oh, is that exciting to you? It is exciting, but I've been kind of like anxious about it because it's been so long and it's mm-hmm. all like COVID dependent. So like you need to be fully vaccinated and stuff. I'm still waiting on my second dose. So, um, but the plan is that at the end of July to race in T-Town, which is like a series of track races in the U.S. Oh. Um, to collect points for Worlds <laughs> this year, hopefully. Getting back and, on the point train, are you? <laughs> yeah, back on the point train. It's, it's stressful. Um, we might go to uh, Columbia. We'll see. It's mm-hmm. a little sketch down there right now, but there's a Nations Cup that's happening in a few months there. And then the next thing after that is Worlds. So hopefully mm-hmm. that all works out and it'll be the shortest season ever, but neat and tidy in a few little months, tuck it away and then continuing on. So what do you have in the background if we're talking about future stuff? So you're focusing on your racing right now, but mm-hmm. what's your next three years look like? Well, I finally started going to school too. I just do like- Oh God, excellent. School. Yeah, I just do like online school. I have like mm-hmm. a super light course load, but like that's been really nice for like taking up, like growing another part of my brain and just right. like finding some interests outside of sport because like it's mm-hmm. been a minute. And just so like, what are you yeah. what are you taking? What are you gonna get into? So I'm in humanities. I'm doing it oh, like nice. a bachelor uh, bachelor of arts in humanities with like anthropology as a minor. Oh, very cool. So that's would kind of be like a first step towards hopefully one day being like a museum curator is kind of what I'm oh. going for. Um, so what uh, what made you think about that? I don't honestly like my interest in history. I've always been interested in history. Okay, like early civilizations, mm-hmm. and always been interested in art, but kind of realized somewhere along the way that I don't really feel like making art. Like, I don't <laughs> feel like I. I'm just yeah, like yeah. I like looking at it. I like assessing it. But I sit down to create it. I'm like, forget it. It. <laughs> Not that part of art. So I like so, organizing yeah. it. Yeah. Th- those kind of uh, combination of interests was like, led me down to like, realize like, oh, like curation and like um, that sort of stuff was um, like art gallery kind of thing. Yeah. And you also get to work like independently mo- or partly independently in those kind of things. You get to travel sometimes. So it was just like, Oh, those are kind of like everything I wanted to do. Yeah, I can see you setting up an art gallery in some yeah. LA or like oh, maybe yeah. somewhere in like Sedona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe you go over to France. Oh, see pull now. in all these artists yeah. and like display them. And Oh, yeah, this sounds yeah. good. <laughs> I like it. That's interesting. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, this has been amazing. Devin Lee, the, uh, Devin, Devin e, I yeah. put an L in there, um, that we got to talk and you got to talk about, you know, those hardships. Cause I, I can, I can like, my gut was kind of like twisting when you're talking about yeah. that, you know, and, um, cause you kind of feel, I could feel it. I felt it. And I, and it's a very alone feeling, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going, too. going through that stuff by yourself, because you really don't feel like you have anybody to talk to because you don't know who to talk to that you can kind of trust and that's not going to turn on you. Yeah, actually, 
just (laughs) you reminded me of one more thing that was like really instrumental but like I remember I had this one teammate who was just like so excited and so like happy and just like was so and I, I after I'd already gone through some of the like hard times in like early next gen and I was just like angry I was just like <laughs> why are they so like happy like don't they know you didn't punch her did you suck right and because that's like the experience that I had and and over time they had more and more experiences that kind of weighed on them and just like brought them down a little bit and and when I saw that happening I was like, oh, this is horrible. I don't want that to happen to people. Like I want them to be excited and have fun and stuff. And like them having traumatic experiences may like, like it's it's not what I want. If I could help stop that happening to people, then like new athletes and stuff, then I want to do that. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it to be like taking like just a second. I'm the the angry one. What's going on with you guys? Yeah, it's like wait. <laughs> oh, it doesn't feel good when other people have you know like yeah. I, that was. That I was, thought you were gonna tell me you slapped her or something. No, stop, no, stop being so happy. <laughs> yeah, that's how it felt until she stopped being happy or as happy, and then I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> really sucky together and yeah. I'm like no yeah. this is not a good thing yeah, no. <laughs> we can only have one one person being feeling down yeah like, I need you to bring me up what's going on yeah what happened uh, yeah oh this is really cool I've um this is definitely a an avenue that has not come out in 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 in, in, in the interviews uh with you know when I talked to um different racers but like I, you know everybody's in a different space mm-hmm. and that's why I was saying like off like before I before we uh started the podcast the episode was that I kind of felt like when I saw your picture yeah I'm like I'm gonna reach out to her I said she's got a story because I could feel something in your picture I'm like she doesn't look happy yeah. I'm like i'm like jenny dirt no yeah jenny always says to me she's like you don't always say it with your voice but i always know exactly what you're thinking with your face and i was like yeah i can't hide it i know i just like i need to talk to that girl yeah (laughs) and i'm and i'm really really grateful that um you said yes um so with that good luck with the finishing of the season you got six months to really kill it out there not literally but like (laughs) like crush it on the on the track so is it just track stuff yeah I just have track stuff planned I think road stuff has like been pushed back a little bit further for North America yeah yeah or maybe come down to do nationals down here oh maybe just give me a call I can like okay. help you out <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right well thank you so much thank you to our thank listeners you. for catching this episode and Devaney for really sharing a side of racing that we haven't seen yet and um, please don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you are so you don't miss another amazing episode because like I said you never know who I'm going to be bringing out you never know what we're going to talk about because everybody's got something different Um, and don't forget to give us a review and we have our contest going on for reviews so 
Devani, we have to get people to review us. All right. Review me, review you, and a good rating. So with that, thank you again. Have an amazing day and so appreciate for you for being our guest. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.